0: Once again, it is my uh, privilege and honor uh, to welcome to you guys our very special speaker, Greg Speck. Greg, uh, some of you, it's possible, have heard Greg speak before. He speaks full-time around the world, mostly to teenagers. And we've had Greg here before, love having him, um, and we know that God has used him significantly um, around the world, but also in our own community in the past. And so um, I'm sure he'll speak a good deal a little bit more about himself. Let me ask you as a community to sit up straight, remove your hoodies, give him your undivided attention most of all, because I really want you to assume a posture of receptivity to what God might have for you through Greg this morning. Can we do that? Amen. Let's welcome Greg's back. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Turn to the person on your right, turn to the person on your right. You are next to the wall, do the best you can. Turn to the person on your right, say to them, you look good this morning, you look good. You look good this morning, good. It's a Tuesday morning, you look good. Turn to the person on your left, say to them, I wish I looked as good as you, I wish. I wish I looked as good as you. Say to the person sitting in front of you, whoever's sitting in front of you, say to that person, this morning, your hair is perfect. It's perfect. That is so important. People spend hours working on their hair. That is so important. Turn around to the person behind you. Turn around to the person behind you. Say to them, I wish I was wearing your outfit. I wish. (laughs) You would look so good in that outfit. You would look so good. Well, I am uh, so happy to be here at Southwest. Uh... Up to this point, uh, all of January, all of February, all I've done is speak at uh, winter camps, high school, middle school, all over everywhere. So this is my first school, really excited to be here. I live outside of Chicago, Chicago. Turn to the person next to you and with your best Minnesota, Midwest accent, say Chicago, Chicago, yeah. So, uh, I love being outside of Chicago because we've got O'Hare Airport and O'Hare Airport can get me anywhere in the world. It's a great place to fly out of. Let me tell you, as we start this week together, let me tell you a little bit what my philosophy is. It's a quote by the name of a guy and his name's Paul Little. And the quote goes like this. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. My philosophy this week is, I am coming in to say to you, I am just like you. I do some things really well, and I do some things really poorly. I make some good choices, and I make some terrible choices. But I have lived a little longer than you have lived, and I am here to say, look, As one beggar to another beggar, I have found some things that have made a difference in my life, and all I want to do is I just want to pass them on to you. And look, you can receive them or you can reject them, but allow me to just humbly say, hey, here's some of what I've learned. Here's some stuff that has worked, and you might want to consider applying this to your life let me ask right now this moment what's the condition of your heart because I want to suggest we have been slammed we've gone through a COVID season that in some cases has been crippling to us as I travel everywhere and this includes teenagers overseas There are three things I hear over and over and over again from students, they say this to me, I'm stressed, I'm depressed, and I'm afraid. Stressed, depressed, and afraid. I'm stressed because so many expectations. Learning online was a disaster. Teachers expect this, coaches expect this, job expects this. Parents expect this. Youth pastor expects this. All these expectations. And then at times, I just get so down. I just get depressed. I finished speaking at a conference. I stepped off the platform like I'm going to do this morning. And uh, I just hang out and love to meet students. Just say hi. And I had a girl walk up to me and she said this to me. I just want to be happy again. I just want to be happy again. It's like this cloud is hanging over me. And then, I'm just scared. It's like the world is spiraling out of control. I mean, we've got Russia invading the Ukraine. We've got China sitting back looking at Taiwan. I mean, what's going to happen to the world? I mean, Putin has said... We have put now our nuclear weapons on high alert. What are you, insane, Putin? Where are you going to even go with this? What are you going to do, destroy the world? And there's a lot of things we fear. Not just world events, but man, we're afraid that we're not going to fit in and we're not going to be accepted and we're not going to be loved and on and on and on it goes. And so our heart has taken a beating. And this is my concern this morning. Here's the condition of our hearts. Our hearts have turned to stone. They've turned to stone because of things we have done that has hardened them or things that have been done to us. And you know, you only get stabbed in the back so many times. You only get betrayed so many times. You only get let down so many times before you put up these walls and these masks and you harden that heart and you say, nobody's going to hurt me again. But the problem is, nobody can love you. And that's really what we all desire. We don't want to always admit that. But all of us have the need to be loved and to be cared about. And a hard heart has a tendency to block others from effectively caring for us and loving us. You know how you can tell if your heart is hardening there's something you say. And you may not use these exact words. You may not say this out loud. But basically you're just kind of saying this. I don't care. I don't care. Sort of I'm making bad choices. I don't care. Sort of I'm using. I don't care. Sort of I'm getting used. I don't care. Sort of my relationships are bad. I don't care. 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 And then you know what that leads to? Then that leads to a bad attitude. And honestly, you walk into this chapel, you sit down, and kind of your attitude is just like, this is stupid. This is stupid. Chapel is stupid. The band is stupid. The speaker is stupid. Spiritual emphasis week is stupid. The prayer walk is stupid. My parents are stupid. This car is stupid. The class is stupid. My dog, well, my dog's fine. But everything else, everything else is stupid. I had a kid come up to me and he said to me, I used to have a bad attitude. And I said, you used to? He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't anymore. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So I said, wow. I said, uh, how come? What changed? What happened? He said, well, God taught me not to. I said, wow. I go, well, how did God teach you not to? He said, well, I would go down. And I'd ask my parents if I could do something. And if they would say no, I would go into this rage. Wow. Ah! And I used to like to slam doors. I'm angry. I want everybody else in the house to know I'm angry. So I just walked through the house slamming doors. He said, but Greg, in my bedroom, I had this thick plush carpeting so my door would never slam. So I grabbed that door and it would just go, click, and it would never slam. It used to infuriate me. My door would never slam. So one evening, I go down to my parents. Can I do this? They say, no. Click. He said, that was it. He said, I was so angry. I was so out of control. I grabbed the doorknob. I hung on to the doorknob. I opened that door and Greg I slammed the door as hard as I could. He said, unfortunately, (laughs) I had taken my other hand and put it up here on the side so that I could brace myself and slam that door especially hard. And he said, I took that door and I slammed it right across these three fingers. And when I slammed it across those three fingers, God spoke to me. (laughs) And God said, your attitude stinks. Your attitude stinks. And that's a reality and could I suggest at times my attitude stinks and at times your attitude stinks. And what's that an indication of? It's an indication of a hard heart. Now, as this week goes on, I'm going to give you opportunities to do certain things. And I am here to tell you, you have the total freedom to take that step and say, yeah, you know what? That sounds like a good idea to me. I'm going to do that. Or you have the total freedom to say, no, I don't want to do that. That's stupid and you don't have to do that but the reality is this morning there are x number of us as we begin this week we desperately need a heart transplant we desperately need a heart of flesh why so that we can care again so that we can care about ourselves so we can care about the direction we're headed, so that we can care about others, so we can care about God. And how do you get that heart transplant? You get that heart transplant by prayer. And you just say, Lord Jesus, would you take from me this heart of stone and would you give me a heart of flesh? And just that fast, still will do it. And why is that important? It's important because I believe... If you'd be willing to take that step, this week will take on a whole different perspective. This week will go from stupid, boring waste of time where you may actually hear from and encounter the living God and he will be able to speak into your life. That's pretty sweet. So I'm going to ask you to take a moment. I'm not going to pray for you. You're just going to pray. And if you're willing, would you just pray and say, Lord Jesus, would you take from me my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh? And he'll do that immediately. And then I believe you'll be prepared to hear what God wants to say to you. Let's bow together in prayer. You just pray silently right now. Thank you that you hear our prayers, and we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our theme this week is this, living right side up in an upside down world. With all the craziness, with all the stuff that's going on, how do we respond to this? What do we do? What is our step as Christians? And this morning, I'm gonna talk about our faith. And I'm gonna talk about our walk with God and what would God call us to do. And there are a lot of things I could talk about, a lot of areas I could go to, but I'm just gonna pick one verse. And I'm just gonna camp on this one verse And it's found in the Old Testament, and some of you could quote this from memory. It's found in the book of Micah. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It begins by saying this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Let me just stop right there. You can like it. You can hate it. But what we're gonna talk about this morning is what God requires of you. He does not say, look, this is optional. Look, if you feel like it, if it's convenient, if somehow you could work it into your schedule, if maybe it didn't bother you too much, if you might wanna try it, just, just go ahead. No, God says, this is what I require of you. If you are my son, if you are my daughter, if you're going to follow after me, here's a requirement. And the bonus is this. It's good for you. That's the awesome thing about God. God requires things of us, but they are to our benefit. God is saying, if you will take these steps, if you will do what I'm calling you to do, You're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to feel better about life, better about direction. You'll begin to feel like things are starting to come together for you. This is a requirement that is good for you. And what is a requirement? Well, there are three things God calls us to do. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Number one, act justly. I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to struggle with this question for a second. What is the difference between a moral person and a person of character? What is the difference between a moral person and a person of character Turn to the person next to you and discuss that. Go. All right, thank you for doing that. Now look, I'm going to give you a definition. However, I'm going to say to you, this is not the only way to say it. I just say this because it helps me to get a handle on it. The difference is this. A moral person chooses not to do what's wrong. A person of character does what is right. Now if that sounds the same to you, I want to tell you it is radically different. A moral person has a list of things they don't do. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls who do. So you've got this list of things. And you follow this list of things and here is stuff you don't do. And you know what you have a tendency to do? you have a tendency to go over to other people and say, well, let me see your list. And you compare your list with their list, and if their list doesn't match your list, you have a tendency to look down on them. You become judgmental of them. A moral person tends to be very negative, they are very passive, and they are into religion. Rules, regulations, denominations, that's a moral person. A person of character chooses to do what's right. A person of character is active in their faith. A person of character understands it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. A relationship with the living God and you actively live out your faith and your highest calling is to love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and then to love each other your highest calling so a person of character steps out and does that Uh, i am born and raised in california I'm born in San Francisco, raised in Walnut Creek, California. And I did not become a Christian until I was a senior in high school. Up to that point, my God was football. I worshipped football. And I know you look at me now and you think, wow, he must have been a really good athlete. Thank you. Well, I want you to know that I played a tight end and... Um, They would time me with a sundial, but I could catch the ball. And so uh, I started tight end. My junior year started varsity. We were undefeated in the state of California. We were a ranked team. That was life. Life was football. And then I got hurt playing a game called baseball and got the ligaments ripped out of my knee, And my football days were over. And I went into a depression. And a kid came up to me who was a Christian. I didn't even know what a Christian was. I was raised in a cult. And uh, did not know much about Jesus Christ. And he shared with me about the gospel, and I wasn't interested. And he shared a second time, and I wasn't interested. And then he invited me to church, and I heard the gospel for the third time, and I responded. And God radically changed my life. Uh, Students, sometimes I'll go into classrooms or things, and students can ask me questions. And I've had students ask me this question. What was the greatest day of your life? Thinking that was a hard question. Being married to Bonnie, our wedding day, that was amazing. It wasn't the greatest day. The birth of my four children, incredible. That wasn't the greatest day. The greatest day of my life was the day I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and he radically changed me. Well, the kid who really was instrumental in me coming to Christ, his dad began to disciple me. Now, senior year, Northern California, Del Valle High School, we had what was called Senior Cut Day. Do you you have that here? The Southwest? Seniors, do you have a cut day? No. Okay. Well... Well, that, you know what, that sounds edgy. It really isn't that edgy. Uh, your class president goes in, meets with the principal. They agree on a day, and on that day, the entire senior class cuts. And for us, we all went to the beach. One last get-together as the senior class before we graduate. So our principal is waiting, and our senior class president goes into him and says to him, we'd like this Friday or Monday so we can have a long weekend, and the principal goes, listen, I totally get that, understand that, but I can't give you a Friday or Monday because this and this is going on, but you can choose a Tuesday or Wednesday. He goes, we don't want a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We want like this Friday or Monday. And the principal goes, well, listen, I understand, I get it, but I can't give it to you because of this and this and this. He said, so pick Tuesday or Wednesday. And our class president says, we pick Friday. And the principal says, you don't have permission to pick Friday. And our class president, by the way, this is a public school. Our class president says, too bad we're walking so i gotta make a decision and the decision is am i gonna go to school or am i gonna go to the beach now that seems like a no-brainer just go to the beach go to the beach all your friends are at the beach everybody's gonna go i mean that's the thing that makes sense at the time, Roy Leedstrand is teaching me about what it means to be a man of character. And I say to him, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying to me that I ought to go to school?" And in his wisdom, he said, "I'm not telling you anything." He said, "You just pray and you do whatever God tells you to do." So what happened? I prayed. And just clear as a bell, I just sense God say, ding, go to school, go to school. (sighs) Now look, I am not exaggerating when I tell you I was a terrible student. And the guy who led me to Christ said to me, Come with me to Bethel University. And I said to him, Where's Bethel University? He said, It's in beautiful tropical St. Paul, Minnesota. So I thought, Wow, tropical sounds good. But I'm not even close to having the grades to get me in. I mean, I got all season Ds, all season Ds through high school. I was a terrible student, but I had taken the SATs. ACTs and I had done really well and I got some really strong recommendations and Bethel wrote me and said dear Greg we'll see how you do your senior year we'll make a decision so I'm on the bubble I'm, I'm trying to study but I don't know how to study I'm doing the best I can but it just really isn't that easy for me so Friday rolls around Five seniors show up for school. Three girls, a really smart guy, and me. That was it. And I come in and I sit down for my first period class and I'm not real happy because all my friends are at the beach and I'm stuck at school. So the teacher says, clear your desk. I'm like, yeah, I'll clear my desk. She goes, take out a piece of paper. I'm like, yeah, here's a piece of paper. She goes, write your name in the upper right-hand corner. I go, yeah, there's my name. She goes, we're going to have a test. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, thanks a lot, God. A test. I didn't know about a test. I didn't have time to study. Not that I would have, but I didn't have time. Wow, I cannot believe this. She goes, this test is will be worth 100 points. I'm like, well, just bury me now. She says, pass your papers in. Huh? She goes, pass your papers in. I'm like, I hope I spelled my name correctly. (laughs) She collects the papers. She looks through them slowly. She looks up and she says, you will all be happy to know you got 100% on this test and there will be No makeup for this test. Every class I went into, clear your desk, take out a piece of paper, put your name in the upper right-hand corner, pass it in. You all got 100%. There will be no makeup for this test. Do you know what this did for my GPA? It made it look like perhaps I had a brain. And honestly, because of that, Bethel University said, come. Now listen, if you are a person of character, will everything always work out the way you want it? No. Will you ever suffer? Yes. Will you go through difficult times? Yes but those are not there to destroy you. Those are there to develop you and shape you as men and women. I want to call you to act justly. And to act justly is to be a man, a woman of character who does what is right in God's sight. You will never regret doing what is right in God's sight. He will take good care of you. Number two, I want you to love mercy. I want you to love mercy. I don't want you to just tolerate mercy. I want you to love it. To love mercy is not to treat people the way they deserve. Loving mercy is to treat people the way you want Jesus Christ to treat you. Do you want Jesus to forgive you? Then forgive them. Do you want Jesus to understand you? Then understand them. Do you want Jesus to be kind to you? Then be kind to them. I'm here to tell you, we are all carrying a suitcase full of issues. There is not one person in this auditorium that doesn't struggle in one area or another. We're coming out of all kinds of hard situations. And I want to say to you, you may say to me, I don't believe in God. Or you may just say to me, I don't care about Jesus. And I would say to you, okay, all right, I receive that. But here's a heads up. That's no excuse for you to be mean. That's no excuse for you to be cruel. So if you're going to be an atheist, be an atheist that's kind to others. If you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian who is kind to others. If you're going to be dismissing of God in your relationship with him, at least choose to be kind to others. If you are going to commit yourself to Jesus Christ, then be kind to others. Stop for a second and ask yourself this question if this applies to you. Why are you so cruel? Why do you gossip so much? Why do you feel a need to tear other people down? And let me suggest it's because of your insecurities. It's because of your desire of looking good in other people's eyes. So you are willing to step on others to elevate yourself. And that is distorted. And that is wrong. And I would encourage you to just stop that. Be kind to one another. I got hit by COVID. And the result of COVID for me was chronic fatigue. And I went into chronic fatigue for almost a year. I really could not function at all. My wife said to me, during that time, you absolutely flatlined. You had no personality. You had nothing. And do you know what? I was scared that I would never be able to speak again. I was scared that I would never, ever be able to do this that I love doing, that God has called me to do. And so I want you to know, I got depressed. I was totally depressed. And do you know how I coped with the depression? I ate. I ate. And I overate. And I gained a ton of weight. So you can look at me and you can say, yo, fat boy. Because you know what? My issues are very apparent. What are your issues that aren't as apparent? You look good on the outside, but what's going on on the inside? And why don't we, starting now, just show mercy to one another? How about we just be kind to one another? I'm going to ask you to do something right now, and this is going to be totally out of your comfort zone. And you can choose not to do this, okay? I give you permission. Nobody's going to judge you. But if you are willing, I would like you without any sarcasm, zero sarcasm, I would like you to turn to the person on your right, and with no kidding at all, just tell the person on your right one thing you appreciate about them. Go. Now turn to the person on your left, tell them one thing you appreciate about the person on your left, go. Okay, now for the person on your left and the person on your right, either give them a high five or a little hug. Go, do that right now. All right, look back up here. Look back up here. Now, for some of us, that was really easy. For others of us, that was impossible. It was impossible. And look, if it was impossible for you, impossible for you to do that, can I tell you this, that's okay. That's okay. You're coming out of family, out of a background, stuff where you just don't do that and that is so stinking uncomfortable, and for you to take off your mask, lower your wall, right now, that's impossible, and I get it, and that's okay, but my hope and my prayer is that one day soon, you'll be able to do that so that you can give and receive love. That is a good thing. Act justly, love mercy. Here's your assignment for the rest of today and this will be the hardest thing some of you have ever done. Your assignment for the rest of today is this. Do not say one negative thing about anybody to anybody. Do not say one negative thing about anybody to anybody. Okay, Look up here. <laughs> look up here. And if somebody starts to do that, just remind them. Just say to them, no. Or say, stop it. Turn to the person on your right and practice that. Look at the person on your right and say, stop it. All right, good job. Okay, look up here. Thank you. That was excellent. That was good. That was good. All right, look up here. Act justly love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. My youngest son and his wife and three of my grandchildren are missionaries in the Ukraine. And they are stationed in Kiev. And as Russia built up on the borders, their mission organization called them to move to the western side of the Ukraine where they thought they would be safe. And then Russia began the invasion. And I can show you this if you'd be interested to see it sometime, but one of the freakiest Marco Polos I have ever received is from my son Garrett. And he started the Marco Polo and then all these air raid sirens started to go off. And my son is looking up into the sky to see if he sees any Russian aircraft. And then at that point, the missions organization ordered them out of the country. And my son and his family had to flee with only three suitcases. And as they fled to the Hungarian border, it was like the invasion followed right behind them. Airplanes bombing and strafing and all of this going on. And you know, anytime my children have stepped into anything, my oldest daughter, Julia, goes down on the streets of LA inner city, 1 a.m. in the morning to help girls who are being sold sexually. Now, how easy is that for a dad to just be like, oh yeah, go ahead, do that. But you know what I've realized and God has expressed, and by the way, I've never heard God speak out loud to me. Okay. Anything I hear from God, I just hear in my head or he speaks through his word. But it's like God said to me, who can take better care of your children? Can you or can I? And I had to say, yeah, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. Here are my children. Here are my grandchildren. Here is my wife. Here is my life. Here is my ministry. Here it is, open hand. I give it to you. Because my job is not to figure everything out. My job is to walk with God, to trust him, to follow after him. I have friends in Ukraine. and We correspond back and forth. Allow me to just share two messages I've received from them. I want to inspire those who pray for us with the words of our soldiers and ordinary people from different parts of the Ukraine where the battle takes place. Soldiers of the Ukraine testify. We feel your prayerful support. Sometimes something really incomprehensible happens as if someone's invisible hand is actually making bullets fly us. We win in very difficult situations as if someone is helping us. We seem to be invisible to the enemy while we ourselves become able to see in the dark and we know what we do and how we do it is because of God. It inspires us and gives us strength. We believe that Jesus Christ himself is is for the Ukraine, we ask you to not stop supporting us, that you continue to pray that we really need you. This is what Igor, a pastor in Lviv, says. Please tell your people, because of their prayers, God really fights our battle. The rockets disappear in the air without reaching our homes, and no one knows where they go. Enemy tanks run out of fuel. Russian troops get lost and ask our locals for food and for directions. That is definitely God because we're dealing with the second strongest army in the world. And this morning, Kiev and other major cities are still free, and we and Lviv have not yet had to run to our basements. Can I ask you, my brothers and sisters, how many times have you prayed for the Ukraine? And I'm not going to say it's because you don't care. I don't think that's true at all. No, I think you do care. I just think you're caught up in so much stuff. So much stuff going on. Can I ask you to walk with God and to allow him to lead you and for you to follow him because he will work in and through you beyond anything you could ask or even imagine. And please, maybe even as you go to class now, please pray for the Ukraine. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are experiencing an invasion right now. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to step off the platform. I would love to jump off, but I'll hurt myself. So I'm going to walk down those stairs and come here to the front. And let me tell you, I'm doing that because I would like to meet you. I would love if you just come up and say hi. Love to shake your hand, love to hear your name, love to just say hi to you. Let's bow together in prayer. Jesus, we are so thankful for your presence and thank you that I can take a journey this week with these students. And Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. I pray that we would hear you, the living God, speaking to us. And I pray you would encourage us as we act justly, and we love mercy, and we walk humbly with you. For I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.